lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again, and uh, this is going to be a little bit of a different episode of the show. Um, I'm here by myself, uh, no guest <laughs> this week. I originally was not planning to have a show for this week. Obviously, we didn't have a show last week, um, and that was part of a planned like mini break. Um, one because um, I just needed to, to have a a little bit of time for myself to recoup um, from some stuff, but also I had this uh, trip planned to San Francisco in the in the greater Bay Area, which is where I'm at right now as we are recording, um, for a, a fun week of wrestling and seeing friends and, and visiting folks and that sort of thing, just to get out of Portland for a little while. You know, a, a chance to go to my first Hood Slam show in person ever and to check out Oasis Pro over in Berkeley and uh, go to Full Queer, um, at the Barrison Street Festival this coming Saturday, which I'm still gonna, I'm still going to that. So if you're, if you're coming out to that show, um, you know, definitely say hi uh, if if you feel so moved. I definitely understand. If you don't, I get social anxiety too at these sort of things. So it's totally fine. Um, but, but I felt like I needed to take a moment and talk about something that's been weighing on me. Um, a personal experience and a personal thing that's been weighing on me for the better part of nearly two weeks at this point now. Um, because I feel like I needed to publicly talk about something that happened to me in the course of doing my job, you know, over at Outsports, you know, covering pro wrestling um, from an LGBTQ perspective and how one of those experiences in, in doing my job um, severely impacted me emotionally and made me uh, have a few questions in my brain about certain um, organizations in, in a way. Um, so I just wanted to talk openly and honestly about, about all of y'all after speaking with those that are closest to me about what happened to me, uh, you know, I decided to come on the podcast and talk about my experience at AEW Wrestle Dream in Seattle um, earlier this month, October first, um, because I feel like it's important to talk about these sort of things, especially from a perspective that is not represented in pro wrestling media on a large scale you know um me being a, a non-binary gender non-conforming <laughs> pro wrestling journalist um sometimes experiences are different and i f feel like i i need to get some of the stuff off my chest even if it's just to like talk about it and put it out there for, for everyone to, to hear that sort of thing. But it, it needs to be discussed because um, I'll just come right out and say it from the very beginning. Uh, my experience 
covering AEW Wrestle Dream in person up in Seattle on October 1st was um, a fairly negative one, a fairly embarrassing one, um, and and one that really um, shook me emotionally. And I'll get into why and, and, and some of the, the things that, that occurred and that sort of thing here, but I just want to lay this out to bear to begin with. There are two organizations that I'm going to be talking about um, here on in, in regards to what occurred at the show for myself, one being All Elite Wrestling um, and the other being the company that operates the Climate Pledge Arena up in Seattle, the Oakview Group. Um, and I mentioned them because they are the two organizations that I interacted with the most. And usually those are, you know, the people that you interact with when you're going to cover events like this. You know, I, I've I've been working off and on in, in sports journalism since my college days. And, and in that time span, I have gone to m- numerous events, both, you know, small-scale college sports to, um, like, things as big as, like, the Overwatch League Grand Finals. Um, and... The experiences, well, you know, obviously they differ depending on scale and that sort of thing, but they're largely the same. You know, you you go in with your media credential, you talk to PR, you get taken to press area, you view the event, you get taken by PR to whatever press conference is held afterwards, you do the press conference sort of thing, and then... That's that's your day. Then you leave wherever you're at, and then you go on, and either you you know stay in the building and write your story to get it done, or you go back to wherever you feel like your hotel room, your home, your uh, a bar down the street, and and you know either work on your story um and 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 do that sort of thing, or you know just depending on timetables, like you do what you will afterwards, right? Um. But in going to these events and doing this job, covering events like this, the two main people you interact with are the arena staff and PR staff for whoever is running the event, right? Um, So basically what happened to me at at AEW Wrestle Dream was um, I arrived – and this is going to be pulling back the curtain on some of the processes that go into covering these events as well. Just throwing that out there. So if you wanted the, the, the backdoor scoop about what it's like to cover these kind of events as a, as a media member, here you go. Um, I arrived at Climate Pledge Arena uh, just before 3 p.m., whenever they were going to open doors and let both, um, both fans as well as media members into the building. Um, I came in through the the press entrance, you know, where where people in the media do come into to the buildings, and um, I I noticed something odd whenever I kind of went up to the press entrance to enter, is that I was kind of there was a group of people that were already there waiting to go in, and a number of them were wearing AEW merchandise. That struck me as odd. To begin with, you know, if other 
media members that are coming to an AEW show wearing AEW branded merchandise. That's just it. It just sticks in my brain, and and it just stands out as odd personally, right? So that was like kind of throw up a flag. I'm like, okay, this is a little weird, but you know what? I haven't been to an AEW event in this capacity before. This is the first time I was covering an AEW event as a member of the media. Um, it was honestly, it was my first AEW event live in person too. So I was like, all right, whatever this, I'm not going to worry too much about that aspect of it. It's a little odd, but okay, whatever. Um, and then I went to the arena and as I was approaching the, the metal detector at the security check there, and I did notice one, um, arena staff worker that was kind of eyeing me oddly. Um, and I guess this is a good chance to point out that, you know, being non-binary being somewhat gender non-conforming in how I present myself and, and how I dress, and I can be very visibly queer when I want to be. I can also be very straight passing when I want to be. Um, or I guess in this case, mask passing, you know, that's another, that's another one out there anyway. Um, but you know, I, I dress professionally, but I also dressed kind of gender nonconforming professionally, right? Um, I don't believe in gender and clothing, but if, you know, for lack of a better term, like I was wearing a pair of like, quote unquote, women's jeans that were um, bright red. They're some of my favorite pairs. If you see me out at shows, especially during uh, WrestleMania weekend in LA, um, you probably saw me wearing them. I love them. Um, I wore these same pants to the Overwatch Grand Overwatch League Grand Finals back in 2019 when I went to cover that for Outsports um, and had no issue with anybody there. But I was getting odd looks from security guard there at the metal detector. I went through the metal detector and I spoke to another arena staff um, who had a list of people um, and asked me my name and I gave my name and I, you know, I had been approved for a media credential by AEW and I told this uh, arena staff worker that I was press and I gave them my name. They looked at their list. They couldn't find my name on the list. So um, they wrote my name in the margin of the paper and then gave me a wristband. And another member of arena staff um, who I also told that I was press um, instructed me to um, kind of do what you would like. Uh, for right now, but at 3.45, come to this elevator, go down to this level, and show them your wristband, and they'll take you to where you need to be. Um, I obviously, like, not really, <laughs> not knowing the situation per se, I took that as like, okay, they recognize me as a member of media, um, and they're going to put me in, in the right place. So I had about 45 minutes to kill inside the building. I did that. I hung out. I took a picture. I posted on Twitter, blah, 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 whatever. Um, and yeah, I killed time and I went to the elevator and I went down and I again walked up to an arena staff member, showed them my wristband, said I was press and I was uh, directed to a line with the same people who I was waiting with outside Um that we're, we were waiting to uh, be led to our seats by an AEW rep. Um, we waited there probably about like, I would say close to like 20, 25 minutes. 
Um, and then an AEW rep came down um, and told us that, okay, um, you are going to be in this section. Just find an empty seat and sit wherever you like. But these are sold seats. So people might come. And if they do and they have tickets for your seat, here's an extra ticket for this other section. Go and find a seat in that section if someone with a ticket for your seat that you pick um, shows up. Another red flag that pops up because, you know, in covering events like this, you are, there is a section set aside for press. I, I've never been in a situation where I've been told, okay, find a seat. And if somebody shows up with a ticket for that seat, you go find another seat. Just keep popping around until you find a place to sit and watch the show. Um, I've That struck me as really odd, but I still didn't have anything that 100% tipped me off to the fact that something might be wrong here. And I didn't want to necessarily rock the boat with it being my first time covering an event like this. So I just took it as, as it came. We were led to our seats in the section, which granted, I will say they were really, really good seats. They were right uh, off to the left side of the entrance ramp at the lower level. Like it was really a good place to take in the show. And at that point, like I still felt a little weird about the situation, but the show was starting. I think we got seated right in the middle of that opening match on the buy-in with, um, you know, Shane Taylor and Keith Lee and Billy Starks and Athena and uh, Diamante and Mercedes Martinez and, and that, that big, that big match. Um, so we missed the ceremony with the, um, with the relatives of Antonio Inoki that Tony Khan conducted in, in the ring and that sort of thing. But I digress. Um, at that point, I'm just sitting there. I'm t I'm checking out the show. You know, um, I didn't really talk to anybody that was around me because um, some of them were people that I had been in line in that little line with before they led us to our seats. Some of them were people that were already sitting there when we walked up. Um, I realized very quickly that a number of the people that I was seated around were not media people. I mean, they were like they were like families with like their kids and, and stuff like that that were watching the show and that sort of thing. So I'm like, okay, maybe they just, maybe there was just a situation where they didn't have a press section set aside or something like that. I, it's very odd for that not to happen. But, you know, I was still just, I was still continuing to give the situation the benefit of the doubt um, and that sort of thing. So I watched the entire show, sat there for the five and a, five and a half whatever hours it was of the show. Really awesome show. Not taking anything away from the show. I mean, the, some of the matches were outstanding. I mean, you know, Swerve and, and Hangman Page and, you know, Danielson and, and Zack Sabre Jr. Obviously, the, the main event, you know, with the debut of Adam Copeland and, and just some of the sheer lunacy that happened during the Christian Cage and um, Darby Allen match and that sort of thing. It was a really fun show to take in. No complaints there. Um, after the end of the show, people in the section start getting up and, and leaving, and I kind of hang out for a minute, just trying to look around for uh, the AEW rep that had led us to the seats, because I assumed that person was AWPR. And, you know, in these situations, you know, you are you're kind of led around by the PR people to places. You're not really left to, to wander on your own 
when when covering these things. Um, you know, so I kind of waited around in the section looking for for this person who I who I thought was PR and didn't see anybody. So I, I left and I started walking around in the hallways, you know, as like the floor, people that were sitting in the floor seats were trying to get to the elevators to, to leave. And so I'm kind of wandering around the corridors of the building, trying to figure out what's going on, looking for anybody that is AWPR or looks like they are with AEW. And I don't see anyone. And this is probably for about a 15 20 minute period or so that I'm just kind of wandering around wondering what's going on. And at this point I'm getting frustrated because like, I don't even know where the press conference is happening. Um, and I'm f freaking out because like, am I even going to be able to, to do my job and to go in and, you know, cover this thing. And granted, like there weren't really any queer performers on the main card. Right. Um, so I, knowing that, knowing the nature of AW press conferences, normally people that, only people that are on the main card show up at the press conference, you know. So it wasn't going to be anybody from the, that multi-person match that opened the show, nor was there likely going to be, you know, uh, Anthony Bowens um, and the acclaimed and Daddy Ass showing up at the press conference for me to talk to. So really, I was just trying to get to the press conference to try and, you know, ask a question to Tony Khan. Um, so, but I'm starting to get really distraught at this point and there's like no one around that can really help. I, I almost get on the elevator just to leave the building because I can't figure out what is going on. And at that point, I see uh, a sign on the side of the wall that says press conference and an arrow pointing a direction. And so I take it upon myself to follow that sign, follow the, another sign and another sign. And then I, that brings me to uh, a security person with the arena. And I show them my wristband and they kind of look at me oddly and they ask like, what can I help you with? And I'm like, I'm looking for the press conference. And so I get, they let me through, um, which is very funny in hindsight now. They let me through. I find the, the press conference room and I go in and then I am met by the people who are actually AWPR. And they look at me like, like they have no idea who I am, which of course they don't. They haven't seen me the entire night. Um, and I show them my wristband and say I'm here for the press conference. And they're like, oh, that's not press like you have to have a press badge i'm like well i i didn't get a press badge when i came in and i, I told arena staff that i was press and uh, you know they didn't direct me to pr they just said to go to this elevator at 345 and that sort of thing and all that good stuff um and then they asked me what outlet i'm with and i said i'm with outsports and then that clicks in their head and they're like oh that's odd why weren't you that yeah because you're on our list that's really weird. How did you even find the press conference? I'm like, and I didn't really have a chance to explain that I just, you know, wandered around the building for 20 minutes, freaking out until I found signs saying this way, and then just, you know, found it. Um, but then it all kind of came into place with the next thing that was said to me. Um, they said, oh, you must have gotten mixed in with the seat fillers. <sighs> so, 
So that is exactly what happened. I, a member of the media, got placed with seat fillers during the entirety of AEW Wrestle Dream, as opposed to being seated with all of the other members of the media, which I will go ahead and, and bear all here for a second. Like one of the big things about going to these kind of events alongside, you know, coverage for your job and that sort of thing is also, it is also a bit of a networking thing. It is a bit of a, you know, being there among your peers in the media and meeting people that you haven't had the chance to meet yet and just kind of building your place in that community, right? And as someone who doesn't work for a traditional pro wrestling only media outlet, you know, like Outsports, there aren't many times where I interact with the traditional wrestling media types, you know? I mean, I think it's it was the only time that's really happened for me is whenever I was, you know, asked to be on uh, In the Weeds over on Fightful Overbooked, you know, which I, again, will shout out Jeremy and Joel on that show for for reaching out to me in the wake of the, the Rick Steiner-RussellCon situation and that sort of thing. Um, but that was really the only time in the four plus years, nearly five years at this point, that I've been covering my specific beat on the of pro wrestling that I've really interacted with the rest of the wrestling media landscape, honestly. And so this was a big, as much as this was about going to cover the AEW show, it was also about, you know, feeling like you're, like I'm part of this community, like being amongst those peers for the first time and, you know, kind of letting people put a face to a name because, you know, they did eventually let me into the press conference once they realized who I was and that I was on their list and that sort of thing. And, and I will, you know, shout out the one or two people that were in the room um, that did, you know, I have like short conversations with and that sort of thing about that. And, you know, one of them like knew my work from Outsports and was very, very complimentary about it. And, you know, I will say very much thank you to her um, because that really boosted my spirits in a time where I was feeling super fucking low. Um, because when I came in that room, like everybody in that room turned around to look at me and to see the situation that was unfolding between me and, and the PR people. And um, to say that I felt embarrassed and lower than dirt and that I did not fucking belong in that room uh, would be an understatement. Um, based off of the entire situation that happened. Um, so yeah, I got to be in the press conference there. Um, but you know, I was completely shaken by the experience and, and the understanding that somehow I had gotten completely removed from the rest of the media people for some reason, um, which it all apparently turned out from AEW side of this, it turned out to be a misunderstanding. Yeah, I have had conversations with AEW both that day uh, or that night rather, and then post that night. And, and, you know, there's no ill will from, from me towards AEW. And I would stress anybody listening to this, who supports the show, who supports the work that I do at Outsports, this do not, do not direct any vitriol towards AEW. This was a misunderstanding on their part, and that air has been cleared between myself and AEW regarding that, right? Um, 
Where I do still have issue, though, is with Oakview Group, uh, because they are the company that operates Climate Pledge Arena. They operate a number of venues across the country, you know, major arenas uh, and that sort of thing. And I'm I'm not going to lie. Um, one of the first things that popped in my head after I left the press conference and got back to my car that night and was still in a really severe place of emotional distress about it was um, the fact that I I felt like I had been profiled by the staff at Climate Pledge Arena, you know, the staff that whose operations are overseen by Oakview Group. And I don't know if it was because they just they saw me and like saw the way I was dressed or the way that I presented in terms of my gender and thought that and, and just thought to completely disregard me as being a member of the media because I'm not, you know, traditionally wasn't presenting traditionally masculine and or traditionally feminine, which, you know, that I was somewhere in between because that's just who the fuck I am and how I feel like I wanted to present that day. Which, spoiler alert, that's kind of how I feel like presenting on most days. It's just, you know, my own version of it, which is totally within my right as a human fucking being to do. Um, but yeah, like I, I felt completely othered by that situation. I felt completely insulted by, by the fact that you know, I told multiple members of this arena staff that I was a member of the media, and none of them at any point said, okay, let me show you to where AWPR is. Let me direct you in a certain way. They just put a wristband on me. They checked a list that didn't have my name on it and still added my name to it and then just shoved me off to the side because apparently the people that I came in with were seat fillers and they did not believe me. Or I felt like they didn't believe me. I don't know if they believe me or not. I don't know what exactly happened to make them think that I wasn't who I said I was. But that happened to me. And I felt discriminated against because of it. Um, I have reached out to Oakview Group in over the last 10 days multiple times. I've sent them multiple emails asking someone at the company to speak to me about you know what could have happened to cause this situation like what if you know anything that might impact arena staff in, in making these sort of decisions or, or any really anything about this situation that could have helped ease my mind a bit because like i'll be real i got back to my car at around like 1 a.m that night to drive back to portland and i you know the first thing i wanted to do was just sit in the parking lot of the link and just fucking cry in my car. Like, that's where I was at after this night. Like, th I was, like, this was supposed to be, like, my first chance to, like, really face this larger mainstream world of pro wrestling as, you know, the reporter that I am and the person that I am. And all I got out of it was an immense feeling that I didn't belong in that space. And I'm not blaming, again, I'm not blaming AEW for that I'm not blaming the other members of the media for that. I'm not blaming anyone for that per se, but I am on this 
show going to share what I felt in that moment. And the fact that Oakview Group still hasn't responded to me, still hasn't, you know, answered any of the questions that I have sent them, um, it it makes me angry because you know this is this is something that that is you know really continued to develop over the last like 20 or so years you know really since i'm not going to say since the founding about sports because there's been lgbtq people in sports media before that right i mean in pro wrestling it goes back to like people like Wade Keller with the torch back in like the late 80s early 90s whenever that started up you know there have been members of of our community present in these spaces during that time span, right? But a lot of that still falls into these traditional representations and traditional presentations of masculine and feminine and that sort of thing. And now as more gender fluid, gender queer, non-binary, gender non-conforming people are entering this space because they either feel empowered to do so or want to break down that fucking wall so other people can feel empowered to do so. Those sort of ideals and those assumptions that might be on the minds of, you know, people that are, you know, organizing these sort of events, those things have to change because the face of sports journalism is changing. It's evolving. It's it's evolving every fucking day, right? And these these structures they need to keep up with it because otherwise there could have been it could have been a completely benign coincidence what happened with the arena staff at that entrance to the building and not understanding that I was a member of media and and just pawning me off onto the seat filler people and that sort of thing. It could have been just a sheer coincidence. But without the knowledge of, of that, I'm going to immediately feel as a non-binary person who is not presenting traditionally masculine like I'm being looked at as someone who shouldn't be believed about who they are. And I'm not going to fucking stand for that. I'm not. Like, I'm still upset about this. I, I've been debating whether I was going to record this episode or not this week. Because, like I said, I was originally taking a break while I'm in San Francisco. But I just, I, I just couldn't let it go by. I needed to talk about it. Be open and honest about it. Um, so, yeah. There's that. Uh, it sucks. And I'm sorry that I had to come on the show and... And talk to y'all about this, but you know, I I trust and, and love the audience of the show. I trust and love our audience over at Outsports, and I I can never ever express enough thank yous for all of the support over the last like four plus years that I've been with Outsports and doing this work and doing this show. Um, which by the way, like this is this is our four-year anniversary week um, of, of doing the podcast. So a great way to, to do that. But I just want, I just want people to get better about this. I don't want people that don't conform to the gender binary um, 
to feel like they are going to be just othered by default in these in these situations and in these environments because it fucking sucks to feel that way. And the same thing happened for gay journalists and lesbian journalists in these fields. You know, there's been times like, you know, I've spoken with other journalists that talked about being othered in similar situations like this in, in, in the past and, and how, you know, these things continue to change and we can't let our voices not be heard around this stuff or nothing does change. So I felt empowered to come on here and talk about it for a little while. Um, and I really appreciate all of y'all listening. I really hope that Oakview Group reaches out to me. I don't know if anybody from that company is going to hear this or not, but I've sent y'all emails and y'all clearly have not responded to me. I don't know if that's just because y'all don't think this is a thing that you should even address or you just don't think that I'm worth responding to. Either way, you know, or for any other reason, like that's on, that's, that you have your reasons, I guess. I don't know them, but I can sit here and say that I'm extremely dissatisfied with whatever those reasons are. And I would still like to talk to somebody from that company because no one else should be made to feel this way. And I know I'm not the only person outside of the gender binary within the pro wrestling world that covers mainstream pro wrestling events like this. I know I'm not. I know we are in the minority, but more and more the same way that we are seeing increased representation in the ring for LGBTQ identities, we are seeing it outside of the ring and around the ring for our community. And I'll be damned if what happened to me that left me so emotionally distraught for a three-hour drive back to my fucking home after going to what was arguably one of the best wrestling shows of the year and a thing that I had been looking forward to and feeling really proud to go and, and cover and to be among my peers in the media to finally put names to faces and 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 really feel like I belonged in in the greater landscape of wrestling media to make me feel like I was you know nothing that I didn't belong in that space because of some people not believing me. I don't want anybody else to go through that. I don't want anybody else to experience that. And I'm putting my foot down about it right here, right now. So now that I'm all worked up and everything, I will back off <laughs> a little bit. Um, but I, I appreciate anyone that does listen to this episode. There will be a, norm, a normal episode will come out Next week, we're going to be back in, in the, this, the regular studio, back in, back in the office, and we'll have episodes there uh, as we start to wind closer towards QWI season. But um, thank you again. Um, as always, if you want to support the show, you can do so over at patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod. You can join the roster of lovelies with names like Val Capone, Alex E, and Jerry Legend. Uh, $5 a month unlocks monthly bonus shows uh, from require our show required reading as well as our show oops all fun ones um uh and yeah um i'm not going to go into the whole full spiel today i mean it's just too much i'm feeling too many things in in the moment because like while it's been a minute since all of this happened like and i haven't really felt those emotions that intensely since you know a few days after what happened 
uh, talking about them again. It's making them come back up. And I just, I need to acknowledge that for myself again and, you know, deal with those things as they do. And I'm not going to deal with them here on microphone. Um, but thank you for listening to the show. Come back next week. We'll be back to our regular programming. Um, until then, y'all stay messy. Wash your hands, wear your mask, get vaccinated and boosted if at all possible. Same goes for monkeypox. And uh, congratulations to Max the Impaler. Bye. She made a deal with the demon so a lover could live But the moon is high and the devil is shot and stick It's the formula six, six, six